Good morning. <laughs> Hello. Good afternoon, even. Why do you think it's right. morning? Time's yeah. gone so quick. Yeah, so quick. By the time you fed all your animals, Dave, it must be the day's gone, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, pretty much. Although, day over. Does the cat have to follow? Does Does the cat have to follow the same feeding habits as the dogs? You know, time. Um, so the cat, the the new kitten, actually thinks he's a German shepherd. He's a German shepherd. Yeah. Um, he's hilarious to watch. I mean, you've seen him. He's literally that big, and he he literally chases the German shepherds around the house. It's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I feel sorry for any dog who decides to take him on when he's old enough to go out. <laughs> I think he's gonna he's gonna have a little tally sheet on the outside of the house. Another oh. one. Oh, he's oh. warm actually. He's been in the sun. He's been in the sun. Devonshire yeah, sun. Yeah, we've got sun this afternoon. It's been miserable all day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, look been, at that. See, been, this is been everyone. Been this is what, he's tired. This is what. Uh, basically, I've got the miniature version of Dave. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and today, today, everyone, thank you for joining us. Um, up to eighty people already. Like, thank you very much. Uh, but we, today, we've got uh, Tim Grenshaw. <laughs> who is a guy I met um, when at Extra Airport, he flies from Extra Airport, and he flies this thing called a Spitfire. You may have heard it, may not have heard it. So he's going to come, in, he's going to come on. Because, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't know anything about it at the moment because I haven't got a chance. I kept making an appointment, and I broke the last one, to find out a little bit more. Sometimes these things are just good to come in fresh, aren't they, Dave? Just to start knowing nothing. What a guest. I mean, we, we had to stop ourselves because we always have a little bit of a chin wag before this. And we had to stop ourselves talking because I, I, we were like giggling school kids. And, and we were I was open mouth just listening to his stories. An hour is not going to be enough. I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah. You know, case, I, I made case. the foolish error of loading his Instagram account. Yeah. Which are on Instagram is definitely worth a look. It's just What's it on the top again? It's Ocean High. Ocean High, is it? Have a look on the top. Ocean's High. Ocean's you know? High, with an S. Ocean's High. Um, just to remind everyone, just before we bring him on, this is what it sounds like. This is what one sounds oh. like. Oh, I can't hear it. There's no sound, H. Yes. I could, we couldn't hear sound. I couldn't hear sound. Oh, uh, you can't hear sound. No, try again, try again. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what, and in that case, you I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to delete it completely, and then I'm going to start again because that will stop the screen on that one. So, yeah, that, um, but there is sound, so I'm going to get that. So it's important we get that, mate. Uh, I'm just going to yes, share. Um, Go on. I was going to say, what have you been up to this week? While we're waiting for that to, to load up, what have you been up to? Um, I've been doing something for Devon Cornwall Police. I won't say what it is at the moment because I'll get inundated, but it's just for a couple of months and you might be able to work it out. But uh, but we'll move on from that at the moment, Dave. <laughs> but but it, I'm on the right side of the law, so that's the main thing. Here, let's try this. Let's see if this works, yeah? Let's let's see this because it's important. Important, I want to get this out. Can you hear that? Oh, oh, come on. Beautiful. See, we have to. I, I just, I've just sent an email down to the production team, just giving them a rollicking. Yeah, an R in front of that. And yeah. uh, so, oh look at that. You see, that's just showing off now, isn't it? But so what, what I mean, gets this, me? this isn't. This isn't Tim. Tim's better than that, though. Uh, <laughs> that's the only bit I can find of that. We've got to ask um, Tim when he comes on. Does that sound still get to him? 
and that he gets to fly these, does that sound yeah. still get to him? Because it's so no. iconic. We're lucky. Yeah, but what? That's he risky, though, isn't it? What if he says, no, I can't stand it? Yeah, I hate Whams. it. It's rubbish. Oh, <laughs> what, what if he says? I'll put my headphones on and I crank up yeah. the, the heavy got, metal so I can't hear it. <laughs> I've got the background noise of a Nissan Micra. It's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, as, as soon as there's a hybrid Spitfire, the better, he's saying. <laughs> no, no, that isn't, that isn't true. But I want to show you something because I'm, this is my selfish things at the moment. My, my brother, some people may have seen this or not, <clears throat> my brother had some cassettes of my dad. My dad was a uh, photo reconnaissance Spitfire, so they were blue. Um, there's a Rolls Royce owned one um, still. So, of course, di that didn't have guns, that had cameras. And my dad used to say, he was born in 1909, but he died when I was 18, so 1988. Um, but uh, he, he used to say, and, and the way that um, he used to say he'd fly fast and high to get rid of, but then it was the contrails that would give him away. So, and he was only nearly got shot down, but that was by the British who mistook him for a German. So, uh, so otherwise he was, he was fine, but he was flying over D-Day and stuff. And here's, here's a little bit of commentary. He, he wrote books and he wrote the odd poem sort of thing. And I'm, I hate poems, that's all. I don't understand them. But this is a little, a little tad. It's only like 45 seconds. I, I just wanted uh, people to see. And this is when I was being flown by Bill Dean. It was a, a friend of Tim Grenshaw then. Um, and Bill's moved on now, I think, to other things. But he was flying me, and this is my dad's voice whilst I'm actually flying in this Spitfire. Isolated. The great shock that? is that it's uh, the violet sky. So you're literally in a world that you could never imagined, even. And very alone. Very alone. Just one verse, I will. I think it's enough for everybody. I love it. As it flies up. How get can that one voice. give to landlocked simpletons <laughs> the faintest vestige of idea? of what it means to leave this solid earth with you and mount into the sky away and up and on, on from the cloud and into the limitless spaces where all is sun and sky and crystal clear, domed by an infinite of blue, infinite shades of blue. Even your wings are blue. So that's the first reconnaissance. I had to sign it off, didn't I? Uh, What a lovely yeah. thing to have, Harry. Hey, I yeah, I love it. Yeah, that was, I was very lucky. Oops, very lucky to have that. Very lucky chat. Yeah. So, but when he posh, I, didn't, I don't remember him that posh. Wasn't um, he? I mean, what happened to you? He's frightfully posh, Harry. Yeah, but people, people always say I'm posh, but I've toned it down. He used to always say to us, like, I'd say, you know, and he said, no, not you know, it's you know. And he used to always pick us up on that. You know. I remember my grandparents, they're from the East End of London, but it was when the East End of London wasn't, yeah, it was a different era. And they were very keen to pick you up on how to <laughs> pronounce things properly. And they were frightfully posh. But look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And I still talk to you. I know. Yeah. Uh, Jack, <laughs> is that, I think it's Jackie anyway. Positive Jack. Jack, it must be. Yeah, landlocked simpletons. I know. I know. That's fine. I should use that in a tweet sometime, really. Yeah, I love you it. Should. Honest. What's and, uh, yeah. Before we get Tim on, is there anything that's happened? I want to just send out our thoughts to the officers in South Wales dealing with the problems yeah. there. There was some suggestion that a, a dog, possibly a police dog, was set on fire, but there's no evidence to suggest <coughs> that ever happened. So if anybody's heard that rumour, don't worry about it. We think it's rubbish. Um, anything else? What, what else have we missed? 
Um, I have had a very busy week, and I keep catching up. And my my usually I've had I've my direct messages room as such. I did speak to Chief Constable of College of Policing. Actually, he he phoned me up. I asked to have a chat. Well, we were talking about the um, we're talking about the uh, degrees side of things. Um, I won't uh, go too much into it, but I knew I knew before he called actually what sort of guy he was and i knew before because of people who say he's one of us he's a good good bloke so it's i think we're in good we're going to disagree with certain things i think that's completely natural the Healthy. degree side or whether indeed it should have been called the degree thing or whether it should have been something else i think that's what put people off maybe but um but yeah he's he's a good guy so there's some hope whether it's too too big of a machine to turn around i don't know but we'll we'll see but that was yeah that was a really good phone call i had with with him Oh. Um, no one means me, mate. Everyone's trying to put the phone down from me. So, well done. At least you and all over my computer. You and Mr. <laughs> I see Mr. Panic's listening. The likes of you and Mr. Panic keep everybody on their toes, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, yeah, either that or I'll just have a very mysterious death one day. It <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> just don't talk really... about people dying in tunnels mysteriously or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Okay, no. that was the other no. thing. Yeah. Don't, don't talk about that. Right, no. 1609. I think we've got to bring him on. <laughs> I think we have. Yeah, so we, we've not, had our own selfish It's not going to be long enough. In fact, we might have we might have asked him everything already and we might just sit here in silence. Yeah. 50 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First question. Yeah? Go on. Yeah. Go. First question. Do you like the sound of a, a Merlin Spitfire yeah. engine? This is exclusive. <laughs> Absolutely no. There's nothing, nothing that beats it. It's the uh, best sound in the world. <laughs> Stay on, <laughs> uh, everyone. This is Tim, Tim Granshaw, and it's it's absolutely brilliant. I, I'm, I met you once a little while ago, a couple of years, probably a couple of years ago now, or whatever. But um, and you, I think you were actually training on other aircraft, and then were you working your way up to the Spitfire? You hadn't gone quite solo in the Spitfire at that stage, or what? Yeah. So um, when we met, I was uh, part of the operations team and uh, strapping people in and briefing people and uh, so it was, it was kind of uh, a reasonably long journey to get to the Spitfire but it's been a um, fantastic um, yeah a journey so to how, do you, how do you start yeah what's your, what's your day job what how do you get there so I oh it's such a long story but um, I um, at the time I was in air traffic services for Goodwood um, Aerodrome and uh, mm. the company I worked for Boltby uh, rocked up with all their uh, shiny um these insane aeroplanes and a really cool team. Um, so strangely enough, I found myself um, over there an awful lot, kind of uh, having beers with the guys and asking as many questions until they'd kind of kick me out as possible. I'm going to stop you just there, Tim. I like the way you slip in the fact that you work at one of the most iconic airfields in the world, just like it's every day. Oh, yeah, oh, yes. just like a good one. <laughs> Oh, you know, Goodwood. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. So, um, yeah, so I, I was uh, lucky enough to kind of get to know the team and, um, yeah, just because I had a million questions and seeing it and they were, um, in my eyes, there weren't really many people cooler than uh, those guys. And um, so I spent, yeah, a lot of time having beers and all those. And then, uh, yeah, they kind of needed someone um, in their operations department. And I was fortunate enough that they uh, they asked whether I'd be interested. So I said, absolutely, what's the job? And it kind of uh, escalated from there, really. Wow, because quite often the quite often the path is you know a a seven four seven pilot or something like that yeah. takes it up in their spare time. But you, you took a completely different route to get to the same. billionaire. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of our guys were um, ex-military or current servant military and those kind of things. And I've had, as a result of that, um, along the way, I've had quite a good amount of training from kind of ex-test pilots and those kind of things to get me on the, um, to the right place um, from a skill set point of view. But uh, the thing I love about the warbird world is actually the more people you kind of get to know in it, there um, a lot of people come from very different backgrounds um, mm -hmm. and have, have kind of arrived at it in a um, whole different, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a kind of different needs, which is uh, yeah, really exciting. Is that Dave's Dave's dogs? Yeah, he's muting and telling <laughs> him to shut up. <clears throat> I'll translate for him. <laughs> so, um, so basically, what was your flying experience before that? So um, when I joined Volvia, I had a commercial license. So I'd just been basically flying uh, little Pipers and Cessnas around. Uh, I had, right. um, yeah, done a little bit of our build and was very, very fortunate enough to be on a, um, a sponsorship to get my commercial. Um, unfortunately, the end of the commercial, uh, the recession happened. So I kind of found myself um, out of mm. uh, the original plan. Um, and when I joined Boltby, they were good enough to, um, they kind of knew, knew my interest was in flying and uh, sponsored me to get my flight instructor course. Um, so I became a flight instructor and taught people on chipmunks. And that's kind of where it all started yeah. with, uh, with Boltby, which is, uh, yeah, very cool. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it just shows when you, a lot of people you, you just it. don't know what's going to, yeah, you don't, just don't know what's going to, what's, how, how things are going to turn out to you. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, um, every time I thought it was uh, things had gone horrendously wrong, actually, a new door opened, which has, uh, um, yeah, it's been a, a good, good moderation. Oh, my. <laughs> now, now, the thing is, Tim, I like this. You've got to watch. You've got to look at Tim's um, Instagram because it's oceans high, oceans with an edge. And uh, there's some brilliant photographs. You can put a few on here. But I love the fact because you do have a bit of fun with it as well, don't you? You, if 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 you were, I would say a lot of your photographs, if they were black and white, <laughs> you would think they were Second World War photos. There's there's absolutely stunning, stunning views and things. You've also got a penchant for um, dry, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really going to embarrass you here. You've got a penchant <laughs> for climbing as well, haven't you? So you can't. You've got to get high, haven't you? You've got oh, well, not like that, but. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit of November going on as well, isn't it? But, um... Absolutely. No, I had to literally point it out because uh, my inability to grow facial hair is uh, rather embarrassing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... To... <laughs> and so how oh many... Um... Sorry, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just going through your Instagram. Cool. It's just just bonkers. I mean... The, the, I mean, yeah, I like this. Posing going I there is... Have you seen yeah, this? Yeah. I like this. This oh. you, you said... You said when your set is is actually nicer than your own house. That was at Goodwood. So um, yeah. a couple of years ago, we had the Silver Spitfire, which departed and um, flew around the world with uh, my boss, yep. my two bosses, and uh, um, a really good crew, including our chief engineer, uh, Jerry Jones and um, Ian Smith. So they... It was, which was just a massive adventure in itself. And um, that was the yeah. launch event. So that, yeah, there's a picture of the Silver Spitfire, which is just incredible. And um, that, uh, the original picture was the night before the launch. So it was, um, uh, yeah, quite late on. There was an awful lot of prep to do it. But uh, yeah, what those guys did was absolutely amazing. I tried everything to get on that trip, but it wasn't going to be. <laughs> you mean that charming smile of yours didn't work? It really didn't. I literally busted out all the moves I could think of, but uh, um, yeah, no, and, it and wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I've got to say, this shows your humour here, and you're probably cr cringing at this. This shows your humour, but what a photograph. <laughs> I love, I just absolutely love it. Uh, it's, it's 
sets the scene, doesn't it? But <laughs> going going back to that sort of thing, is the that sort of nostalgic feeling? Do you ever get that? I mean, just looking at the is that a sort of crowbar there? Is it for if you yeah. canopy doesn't? Um, if you canopy, you know, because because um, I remember when I was taught the emergency procedure is if it you know there's two things. There's one if we're going to go try for a crash crash land you know and there's i think it was canopy open wasn't it and um, for crash land yeah if i'm right oh is that right um and um but then if you're if it's like whoop we're gonna go down and and there was another thing i forget what it is now but there was a couple of things you had to do a bit of winding a bit of thinking <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then there's and uh, you can see you'd have to still be quite um and when you think of those pilots with the engine on fire and all that, take it no one's shot you yet, shot you down yet. Touch wood, no. uh, <laughs> it, it's, that's only the start of the problem. I, I, I suggest this gentleman, um, Paul Farn, uh, no, John Hemingway is one of the, I, I think he's still alive. Um, so he's 100 years old and he was shot down three times. He must have been pretty good at bailing out at the end of that one. <laughs> yeah. He wrote the book on it by the sound of it. <laughs> Do you, do you ever get sort of that nostalgic feeling that, my God, people actually experience this, but they're doing this all the time? Yeah, you I, know. Think the, um, I think there's a huge difference, and I noticed that difference between, um, so I'm I'm just a guy who gets to fly Spitfires rather than the kind of Spitfire pilots who were the, the, the guys who did it during the war because they, I mean, flying a Spitfire is a huge honour, but there's a few things that go with it, and there's always that little bit of adrenaline kind of coursing through your veins when you do it. But just thinking that that was just a normal day for those, and then they had to go out and kind of fight, was, which was incredible. But the, yeah. um, I think the, the one flight I've really had that um, embodied that was um, the first time I took a single seat up, and um, it was uh, called the City of Exeter, which was brilliant. So, um, oh, I've and seen they it. just had. They just had the D-Day stripes put on and uh, I flew, I basically, uh, the brief was I had a, um, 35 minutes in this thing um, and there was wow. a few things I needed to do, but the, uh, um, the boss, the chief pilot said, uh, came and said, but, you know, you're in a single seat, go and enjoy yourself yeah. because this doesn't happen very, very often. Oh and, um, my God. So I flew over the um, the coast of the Isle of Wight, and you're in the single seater, the D-Day stripes, you've got cannons, that, and um, wow. it was just amazing. I did did kind of think this is the closest I will ever come to kind of yeah, looking around and imagining. But yeah, we, these days we don't, we don't get to, um, uh, you don't get the heroicism or uh, the skills that they would have gone through, but yeah, that's, yeah, there's, there's pretty much no mod cons in this. We still had the gun sight and everything like that. So it was very much a, um, yeah, a pinch, pinchy moment type of thing. How many different Spitfires have you flown then? I've just flown, so I've flown um, four, um, so four of a, the, what we call the TR9, the two-seater, and then um, a single-seat uh, Mark 9. Wow. Is, is there, is there, much, is there a much in difference? Is there a much difference in feeling to it? So the two-seaters tend to be slightly more pitchy. So what they do is the um, all two-seat Spitfires pretty much were um, modifications of single seats. Uh, so the plans were drawn up during the war, but they uh, didn't actually produce any till um, 1945. Um, yeah. So what they do is they reduce the main fuel tank, which sits between uh, the pilot and the engine. Uh, so they reduce oh, yeah. that down, take the cannons out, pop the um, fuel in the wings, then move the canopy uh, forward 13 and a half inches, mm. all the tech. <laughs> um, mm. But what that does is it actually, because you've got the second seat, it moves the C of G slightly aft, um, which means yeah. in pitch, it's a bit more uh, twitchy. 
Um, so the single right. seat is the most beautiful harmonized airplane I've ever flown. Uh, the really? two seat is still fantastic. So it rolls the same, but it's, you have to be a bit more careful in pitch. It's very easy if you're a bit overzealous for it to uh, slap you basically. What a wonderful comment. You know, the, the most harmonious plane you've ever flown in. Yeah. They just sound incredible. I'm never going to get a chance to sit in one, but they just, when you see them, when you hear that, I'm lucky enough to live not far from Duxford. So, you know, you Perfect. get to do one at least once a week, twice a week. Funnily enough, uh, we had an operation at work the other day where we had to sit in key points and there were several different points around the three counties. One of the points was Duxford and my hand was like that. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> and I just sat and, and there was Jane, the... Jane is taking the mick out of you. It means she likes yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the, um... the, NHS, the NHS Spitfire went up. Um, an old Harvard went up, oh, and, yeah. um, and the Catalina was was flying. Oh, the Catalina! That's lovely. I mean, I did get some work done. I promise. <laughs> well, <laughs> all I'll say, Dave, there's two people here who've flown a Spitfire, um, and <laughs> basically, all I remember when I actually went up, I, I thought it would be like a, quite a powerful Cessna. It's like you know, it, it's it's a smallish plane, and it's going to go. Oh, you know, that's amazing. Uh, no, I, I would, I, I think if I didn't know it was Spitfire, I would have thought it was a jet. The, the feeling from taking off and then the next minute, my stomach was at the back of my throat at one point and then at the bottom of my ankles the next. And then I just was, it was like watch, looking Google Maps from above, you know, just to, I, we were in no time at all. It was absolutely phenomenal. That really shook me. It was at that point that I felt for my sick bag just to make sure I knew where it was and realised <laughs> I'd left it on the table. So I thought, well, I better not ruin some very expensive equipment here because when you when you look through the floor, you can see all the little movements. It's not. It's putting a floor is extra weight, isn't it, Tim? It's just well, exactly it's, that. It's, so yeah, we'll be and um, we just have running boards for your feet, um, and that's it. So everything that didn't need to be there, they didn't put in there. Um, so yeah, all the cables and everything are just right below you. And that's why we didn't have mobile phones or anything. So imagine, ting, 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 ting. I did say to my family, if I crash and die, please put that on my gravestone, that I died in a Spitfire. And can you specifically say not the car? Spitfire <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end but absolutely for that did you i'm just looking at this is this um someone it's a signature there do you know oh it was sdr i think um i can't I remember that, that but... was a norwegian so we um originally when we took uh, so we had this um the original door of our tc spitfire we used to get all the veterans to sign it um, which was so we had people like yeah. Jeffrey Wellham and, and, and oh, Jimmy Taylor. Cornish, Cornish, boy, exactly that. Like, yeah, ended up then, yeah. We uh, we suddenly realised after uh, a few years that all these kind of priceless uh, or pieces of history, these people's signature, um, because the aeroplane sat out there in the sun and various different things, all these amazing signatures were just fading away. <laughs> so oh, actually, no. the door is now it's uh, a little bit of a museum piece. And uh, um, yes, we've got a new door, and that was a, I believe it was a Norwegian pilot. Right. So, right. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's crazy. And I, I mean, especially it's when you look at the the Polish as well were incredible in the war and that weren't they with the Polish fighter pilots. And I remember listening to someone saying the difference was the British fighter pilots. It was like, let's see if we can get one or two of these down where the Polish had lost their wives and families, escaped to Britain 
the the Nazis had done horrendous things to their families, and so it was completely different. So where's the? They said the the British pilots were were fogged out, couldn't see a thing, and you could hear uh, a Nazi plane above, and they was like, well, there's no way we wouldn't even be able to find it, and the, the Polish guys were gone and up, and you could hear them going because it, it was a completely different thing for them. Britain hadn't had enemy boots on their ground, and you know, sort of. Uh, doing horrendous things to their families and it was that mentality um but it was it was in, absolutely incredible stories uh that are there and of course and then there's certain things like nothing changes is it it was certain things where i think they weren't recognized early it was all very much britain britain sort of thing and trying to keep it to us and we did it on our own really you know which just isn't the case was it but um uh, so so the other thing as well is when you have what sort of people come to you apart from jammy little sods like I did um, <laughs> because Chris Beer who's a very good friend of mine um, he met, he he gave me 10 minutes of it you know and so he he could have flown it he had the opportunity so Chris Beer love you dearly thank you very much indeed for Owen forever because he knew that I had that affection for Spitz because of my dad and he said do you need it more than me so yeah forever in debt with him he was wonderful but what sort of other than jammy sods like me? Sort of <laughs> I think the um, the amount of different uh, kind of again the amount of people we have uh, from different backgrounds. We've got had some people who um, kind of have grown up seeing them during the war and those kind of things. So when they were yeah. they were kids watching them fight, um, which is amazing, and kind of saved up for years. You get um, kind of people who have a um, a little bit more finances and want to go and experience the performance and those kind of things. And uh, you get a huge age range of people as well. So. Um, the nice thing is, is you get to fly with, yeah, a variety of different people who are doing it for a, a lot of different reasons, which is, um, yeah, utterly amazing. It's it's one of the, the few kind of machines I've ever seen who will bring grown men to tears and not not often the ones yeah. that you think as well. I mean, I'm playing with, yeah, it could have been my terrible landings or something like that, to be honest. But um, you get some of the kind of really big, burly guys um, and the person they entered the aeroplane in is not the person that comes out after. Uh, you get this. Um, they can be the most stoic and absolutely kind of um, professional face people. And then you, you land and it's like it all brings out a kid kid in them or yeah. um, they suddenly got all this emotion there, which is, yeah, just amazing. It's, it's incredible that machine can bring that out. That's it. And nice for you to sort of share those magical moments uh, with them and appreciate how, how how lucky you are to have that position. Do you get to do air shows or do you just do um, uh, uh, flights or how, how does it work? What's your so role? I am hopefully on the road to, um, to begin doing air shows at some point. So um, the process to get there has kind of evolved over the last few years um, to make it um, with um, I think we're always trying to improve safety and those kind of things. And of course, the accident assurum highlighted a few um, a few things. Yeah. So, um, so there's quite a long road to get there, rightly so. Um, and I'm kind of I was due to start that process um, last year, but of course, COVID put an end to that. Um, yeah. So it's something that um, we're hoping to rekindle um, potentially later this year. Um, but I've I've had the uh, um, uh, well, it's just a, a great. I've managed to take the single seater to a couple of air shows, and then um, someone far better and far skilled has uh, gone and done the uh, the real stuff. Oh, he's very back. modest. But, yeah, he's very I'm, modest. Uh, yeah. Very, very happy with that. <laughs> so, in fact, Tim, is that is that your single? Is that you and your single over Dover? So, yes, or? I'm I'm the aeroplane off the uh, off the left of that one. So I'm uh, yeah. I'm leading the formation as the the singleton. <sighs> what a bad, picture! What a picture to have. In your phone. Yeah. I mean. 
Of course, Dave, we've got to take his word for it, haven't we? You know, as far as I know, he he doesn't he's never flown a Spitfire in his life because I haven't yeah. physically seen him. Do- <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> his people it's a bit like me and all my VIP royal protection and all that for 15 years of that and having coffee with Obama in, in NATO and stuff. I've got sod all photographs because I can't quite say, yeah. could you do a selfie, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in my care home and they'll say, Yes, Mr. Tangy, of course you did. You yeah, were yeah. Queen, were you? Yeah. Tim as well. They'd be like, "You're not old enough, Tim. Shut up." And they'd be like, "No, you're yeah. 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 no, uh, yeah. <laughs> no yeah, delirious. He's delirious, <laughs> the poor man. He's saying he's up. Yeah. How many hours flights have you got in the in the Spitfire? Um. So I. Not that I'm counting, but I've got 149.7 hours in Spitfires currently. (laughs) Um, So, yes, 0.3. So I need another um, 10 minutes will get me 150 hours. Um, So that was done over, uh, I think, 250-odd flights. That's literally, that's like, that's like four weeks, working days. (laughs) That's a long time. Works for me, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a, that's impressive. So, um, oh, yeah. So, and I think the other thing that really surprised me about how small that when you're sitting in it, you think this is a sports car. This is a sports car. That's you know, it's that real. It was. It really shocked me actually. How so? So you can you can actually understand how. And I suppose maybe it was that balance you were talking about center of gravity, um, COG, is what you said. But the, uh, the center of gravity and how that, if that's perfect and with a big, big engine to pull you along as well. But you can just see with it being so neat, concise and, and things, how that was so effective. Um, so and, we'll uh, um, a lot of the guys thing. doing the war kind of speak as kind of you're strapping the airplane to you and it's I, yeah. I think that's a really good way of, of putting it because actually um unlike the kind of the american fighters and things like harvard's where it's kind of like you're in a chesterfield and you just work your way out the, the spitfire is kind of uh, they, they designed this perfect machine and kind of forgot that you had to put a pilot in there type of thing so it's, yeah uh, yeah it is one of those things where you're just utterly uh, Yes, because they often say it's diff- it's quite difficult to land initially. I remember when Dean, uh, Bill Dean, was flying me. He he came in at a sort of right angles and then straightened it. I think because the, the nose sort of yeah, so the, your way. Yeah, it? the nose is about twenty feet long and it sits up. So once you've got the three point attitude, it's all like a little fly lesson now. Um, yeah. The airplane sits about um, kind of seven to ten degrees up, which means as soon as you commit to where you need to be you lose all forward reference. So we can only see from about there uh, backwards. Mm. Um, so you're kind of to a degree using the force for takeoff and landing, um, which is why also when, if you've seen kind of Spitfires at air shows, they're always kind of weaving. It's uh, um, not yeah. to kind of get the airplane at all sides, as we'd like to lead you to believe. It's the fact that yeah. we can't see ahead of us. So we have to turn <laughs> and double check you're not going to uh, run into something and then do the thing the other way. So, yeah. I, I love that. The priceless machine of which there aren't many left. And you say, yeah, we just use the force. Just be educated guessing. Yeah. And uh, Ray's mentioning the uh, simulator. So is there a simulator? And- there is. So um, we build a simulator, which has been up and running about uh, three years now. So, um, and it's, it's such a cool thing. Um, I would say that, of course, working there, but it, it is. So it, the, 
the, we like to kind of describe it as a real aeroplane in a synthetic environment. So 50% of the, so it's kind of a, the cockpit section of a Spitfire. Um, 50% yeah. of that cockpit um, actually flew in the war. Um, so the actual kind of control column oh. we're holding, yeah, is from a real Spitfire. Um, wow. 40% was then uh, made of um, kind of restoration pieces that for some reason weren't, uh, weren't put on projects, whether the project stopped or they weren't quite right. airworthy. And then 10% we've done it. And it's in a 180 degree dome, um, uh, of which has seven projectors that um, kind of put um, almost, well, it's kind of as realistic scenery as a simulator can, kind of can produce. Um, and it's got some um, a degree, it's, it's not a f fully moving simulator, but it's got a degree of movement in it. So when you kind of land on grass and those kind of things, it bounces you around. And actually from a... Um, and it's designed to be an exact replica of the single seat. So um, if you were to sit in the uh, simulator versus the single seat, um, you would be very, very hard pushed to know which one you're in, which is fantastic. Um, so, wow. um, and yeah, that's a, that's a great picture of it there. Um, I like that. Uh, making the most of lunch breaks spent on the ground. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it was something else saying, there's another similar saying, now what's going to go wrong next sort of thing. Yes. You can pick and choose sort of, um, exactly that so we and we use it from a training standpoint so um it's i think it's, it's it's fair to say it's as close to flying the real thing as you can get while being on the ground um it's um and we can fail so we use it as instructors every uh, six months so we have to go with the chief pilot and um yeah he will sit behind us and go right that's failed let's see right. let's see what you do those kind of things so from a training uh, tool it's it's fantastic but also from uh, um, being able to give people the idea of what it's like to sit in the front seat of a spitfire yeah. and uh, yeah go around and do that it's yeah it's an awesome piece of kit it's a piece of kit and it's a lot cheaper to do your training that way than actually to to, to go up in the air and make an aircraft available to do it and stuff like that, I guess. So it, it has lots of lots of roles to keep yeah, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the real aeroplane cost-wise, to give you an idea, um, uh, so because uh, the aeroplane in itself, of course, we have a huge amount of maintenance that goes with it, and we've got a lot of time-limited parts. So uh, a Merlin, for instance, um, a Merlin has a total time of 500 hours, then it needs uh, replacing or a full what? rebuild. Um, and to give you an idea, a Merlin, I believe, um, don't quote me on these figures, but I believe a Merlin engine um, is around £160,000. Um, so one of those goes into our aeroplane every two years. And then a propeller uh, lasts um, about 18 months, so 300 hours. And a propeller oh. costs about £125,000. So, no. uh, so when you look at all of that and the, um, the, the running costs, you, you find out actually um, to run these things is, yeah, eye-wateringly expensive. <laughs> There has uh, to be a reason to go up in the air rather than just yeah. another bit of training. That exactly that. <laughs> okay. Uh, do this you is, know what the hourly is... cost is? Um, so I believe ours, um, it's close to £100 a minute. Uh, so okay. it's, yeah, fairly, yeah, <laughs> fairly eye-watering. <laughs> wow. Now I know how much I owe Chris. Right, okay. Um, uh I think I'll offer him my body instead. It'll be all right. Uh, right. Sorry. So please, I'll, uh, yeah. Okay. This is the coolest photo of the lot. And even, I bet Tim, even you think this is a pretty cool photograph. So there is Tim shaking the hand of me in the pie, in the cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that is a beautiful plane, isn't it? The silver spit it's, Yeah. It's, 
it's it's one of those airplanes where I've been around Spitfires a long time, but then it sat there, and then you you just look at it and um, yeah, polished aluminium, and it's just takes on the whole there. And they kept a lot of the details. So um, near the trailing edge of the wing, for example, a couple of the original engineers scratched their um, initials into it, and they've kept them there. So it's oh, fantastic. Wow. Oh my goodness! And so, what was the difference? What? So you said the original engineers. How old is this plane? Is this? Is was this? So, um, yeah, that one was 1943, I believe. Um, but wow. it's it was kind of a kept in quite original condition, and had a had a full rebuild before it went around the world. But they kept all the original parts, um, and um, as much of that airplane as just reconditioned original parts as as they could do. So all the paneling, although it came off and got inspected went straight back on the airplane so it's a it's a fantastic piece of kit yeah. so why why is it why is it silver as such as compared to others then so the reason for the trip was to kind of um inspire people and those kind of things and a lot of the countries they were going to they were trying to um effectively de-war it if that's even a word um so really, they wanted to do something yeah. where it wasn't all in military color um colors and those kind of things and they came across um there was a spitfire during the war known as the silver spitfire and it was um it wasn't polished aluminium but it was a very it, it, they basically it came straight from the factory without having any paint on and um, yeah, and it came, they've got a couple of kind of P-51s in the States of polished aluminium, but yeah. it's not something that people have done with Spitfires that I'm aware of. Um, and uh, yeah, it just, yeah, just produces absolutely incredible um, feat of engineering. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Right. I want to ask you this one question. So I, I think I've got a pretty cool job. Harry used to really love his job. Um, but there are always not, there are always niggles in your job where that make you think, oh my God, or you oh continually okay, bang your head or bang your knees or um, whatever it is, or the dogs being coming that day. What is it about the Spitfire that makes you go, oh, stop it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's about Fred, the, the engine I think, stops. Yeah. I think it's about me. Um, no, I think I've had. Um, I've had it a couple of times where, unfortunately, I've made people feel sick. Um, I would like to say through no fault of my own, but I'm sure we're in the hands of a, a, a aerial magician like Bill Dean, that doesn't happen. Um, but uh, so you do feel very, very sheepish when someone has yeah, paid all this money to come and have an amazing experience. And hopefully you deliver uh, the amazing experience. But if, it's, if it disagrees with them, uh, their tummies a little bit, you do get back and feel I the smallest though, person in the world before you move on tim i bet sometimes when you guys all get together you're like yeah that that person was so annoying i just gave it an extra <laughs> on the joystick not not you of course well, to, to be fair we get punished for it so um, we have, right. uh, um it's not a leader's board exactly at work but we have a um anytime anybody's if you've made someone sick it goes on a board and oh. then when it comes around to the christmas party uh, they get the most horrendous concoction available, uh, which is then forced <laughs> upon you. Um, so you learn from your ways. So, yes. I love that. <laughs> well, see, I, I have got quite a sensitive old stomach, I must admit. Cars and fine, that's fine. And, and even as a passenger doing all that map reading or PDAs while we're doing blue light runs across the country, I could sort of, uh, my method was to envisage, I'm, I realised really helped me because I knew where, I knew the roads so well over quite a large area, I was imagining where I was. So I knew where I was. So when I looked up, I knew where I was. And you sort of feel the car and you're, you're sort of, for me, I was tricking my brain and I knew as if I was looking outside. And I really felt the help. Um, I've got to say, even with, I had circuits immediately after my flight and my circuits, there was lots of burpees and I was really burping. Uh, it was, <laughs> I, I, 
And I was wanting to, I was would have loved it to just gone in there and go, yeah, this is brilliant, and do loads and loads. I think I would have struggled with much more um, it is, myself. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter how, um, is the people who generally um, feel ill or touch wood mm. with, with me are the, the people who have kind of, uh, um, they're very sure of their own um, physical abilities. And so um, it's uh, not to stereotype anyone, but it might be the yeah. kind of, Younger guys who are, yeah, think, yeah. think they've got everything sorted. Yeah. And the aeroplane, if, yeah, it will break pretty much anyone if it's, uh, if you do too much. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So it's we, very delicately, we, we, de delicately. Yeah. We're as, gen we're as gentle as, we like to kind of uh, mould the flights to who we're flying with. So if someone doesn't want to go upside down, we don't go upside down, basically. So, um, yeah. So I'd say that's the only niggle. Um, it's also quite, uh, you can have some quite challenging things like crosswinds and in a crosswind we're working um, pretty hard as an aeroplane because Spitfires weren't designed originally with runways in mind. So your, your original um, uh, World War II airfield would have been a grass field with a windsock and you could always take off and land into wind. Uh, these days we have, of course, runways that we have to keep to. So you can get oh, certain cool. conditions where you're having to work quite hard, um, but that's part of the job, which I, I do enjoy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, air, air, airports like Biggin Hill was biggin on the bump, right on top of the hill there. Like you say, when you you can turn into it, but nowadays you've got no choice and you have to just go go with it. It was on top of a hill for a reason. Um, the the aeroplane in itself as well is uh, something where everybody's always pointing the camera at you. So if you do a slightly bumpy landing yeah. or anything, you can guarantee that picture is up on social media before you've even <laughs> shut down the aeroplane. So yes, we, it keeps us honest. <laughs> and there's, and there's those comments, they're always, I remember it was in the police helicopter and it, and it was a sort of bit windy and he went, stink, 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 stink. And he went, sorry about the landing. And the co-pilot said, uh, said, said no no nothing wrong it was absolutely fine especially the third landing i thought that was really nice <laughs> you know they, you could tell they wind each other up like this <laughs> yeah. so tim there's obviously things that you're working towards like you you know your um display license and stuff like that but where do you go from here where do you go from flying the most iconic aircraft in the world the uh, the face i just pulled was the face of i haven't got a freaking clue um, it was one of those you've um, done it all now mate well, no, i kind of um in all honesty i thought getting to this point would be absolutely unachievable with a guy from my background and those kind of things and so i just kind of set my life i just i was knuckled down and just said i'm going to give this this all and see how far we can get and i didn't ever really expect to get there and it's only I only got here as a result of some amazing mentors and a, a, an incredible boss who's given me the opportunity to do it. So I now get to this point and um, I love what I do. And I know that kind of, uh, there's amazing flying out there, but I, I think this would be one of those jobs where anything that you're going to um, disappear off to is going to feel slightly, not quite as in, you know, as the thought of flying an airliner, although um, it would be something I'd love to do at one stage, but the thought of kind of, as opposed to, you know, hauling back and then, like we were talking about climbing up, kind of just dialing in an autopilot and doing that. Doesn't yeah, really yeah, get. Yeah. So, um, I think it's going to be, yeah, quite hard to, uh, to do. So um, at the moment, as opposed to kind of pursuing more of a commercial flying route, I've, uh, I've got a couple of uh, little businesses I've been uh, working with, with a couple of uh, friends on the side during lockdown and those kind of things. So um, I'm hoping in due course um, I can have the best of both, as it were. So, yeah. Because you're, you're going to be one of the most experienced pilots eventually. If you stay in this field, you know, as such, because you started quite <laughs> young as such, haven't you, really? Unless you yeah, just I think it. it's um, – I was – 
I think I was the when I qualified, I was the second youngest at that time. Wow. <laughs> um, but um, if you look in history, I mean, people of 16, 17, 18 were flying these during yeah. the war. So saying you're the youngest, uh, yeah, or the uh, second youngest Spitfire pilot when you're in your early 30s is really <laughs> not something to, uh, yeah. to be really proud of when you looked at what the guys were doing. So, um, but yeah, no, I think it's... Um, I think it's been really good as kind of the warbirds in in itself because it used to be um, you've got a lot of incredible incredibly experienced guys and there wasn't really much in the middle of um, kind of uh, younger generations coming in but they've really kind of kind of got together and try and address that and trying to kind of hand down some of that knowledge and that skill set and I must and um, I must say the the kind of um, the older generation who have literally been there and been doing displaying these airplanes time and time again they are the nicest people and are only too keen to pick up the phone to you or go and have a pint with you and kind of yeah. teach you and talk to you about these things, which is just, I yeah. love the way, I love the way it's still done over a pint. And you think of the stories of when they landed at Biggin Hill and stuff like that. And they used to go to the, the pub and, and it was all discussed and it's still done that way. I love that. That's absolutely brilliant. It is. In fact, when, um, when I said, that's what they should do in the police, shouldn't they, Dave? <laughs> yeah. They used when to. When I soloed the Spitfire the first time, which was from Doxford, um, me and my instructor, a guy called John Dodd or Doddy, um, he's just like, right, we are going to this place, which was the Eagle Pub in Cambridge, uh, which is where all the um, pilots during the war went and um, drank. And it was just, oh. yeah, that, that was just like amazing. Uh, from yeah. what I can remember right, so this evening. Uh, I can't. <laughs> yeah, from what you can remember, yeah. <laughs> so, so that there is my, my dad is the one who's looking particularly, so he used to do air, um, he used to do aerobatic shows before the war. <laughs> that's how old he was. So that, that's in there. So I don't know cool. who the other guy is, but when you look at the, so that was, as I say, you can probably see from the wing that it's, it's um, federal reconnaissance as opposed to, I don't know whether he was, that's his or whether he was standing by it, but um, you could sort of see the, the, the finish isn't quite there because it was a utility vehicle, wasn't it? It was a it was a machine, and they probably weren't cleaning it all up and making it all really shiny and pretty sort of thing. And and those panels even it's almost like they were. It looks. I mean, I don't know. I can't see what mark that was. It's three. I forget what propellers. The propellers changed in number, didn't they? They had three and then four, I think, didn't they? At yes. a certain time. Um, but it is um, to look at. To look at that, I always think his, his hat is off at one side. He's, <laughs> he's slow. I thought, pull yourself together, man. I'll be showing um, frontline chat people that <laughs> about a million years' time. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, what a, what a thing and what a time. But okay, so the average life for a Spitfire pilot, I just Googled, uh, was is just four weeks. All right. So. Be careful out there, Tim. No, I mean, because <laughs> you're beyond your time right now. No, so, so, so seriously, I mean, and that, the training, the periods of training was quick. How realistic do you think? How would it have been? Can you imagine jumping in? You, you're in a similar position then. You've done your light aircraft, Cessna type stuff and whatever, but then you've done commercial, so you've more experience. But then they had to learn pretty much on the go, the defence and attack from the older guys who had been managed to survive a little longer. But how realistic do you think that is to to be able to? Would you? Have, I, I have so many questions about this. How realistic was to shove people up there in no experience whatsoever? Yeah, I think the um, 
So I think the amount of hours, so most kind of pilots get into the front line, even the worst parts of the war would have had about 150 odd hours training before they got to Spitfires. But the yeah. the step up from something like a Harvard to a Spitfire is massive. So the Harvard is this uh, American trainer. Um, yeah. It is, um, it's got a 600 um, horsepower engine. So the Spitfire, for example, is 1700, the Mark IX horsepower. And um, to give you an idea, my first takeoff, um, so the engine is, we have, uh, something called boost which is type of manifold pressure or um right. a british way of measuring um manifold pressure and the engine is rated to plus 12 and is right. capable of producing um plus 18 um to give you an idea we we take off these days at plus six um so that's yeah that's, yeah that's the harvard so um all the training yeah. all the that was the last airplane they would have flown with an instructor and then yeah. you basically were out of that and then given a single seat spitfire you'd have had a um a kind of a, a walk around with an engineer and they would have talked about the flying um that and then you're just released so my take my first takeoff in front i sat there and uh, that you got a lot of i was very very nervous because i you know didn't want to mess up at all and um uh, but incredibly excited at the same time and i yeah. put the throttle forward and I kind of thought about the throttle in terms of chipmunks, which I had a lot of time. So our little chipmunk is 140 horsepower. So the same. So I basically worked out that if you move the throttle that far, that equated to one chipmunk. And um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I put the throttle in and suddenly this aeroplane kind of lurched off and we're flying forward and um, you get a lot of kind of gyroscopic effects. So and um, some other aerodynamic things. So the aeroplane doesn't want to stay in a straight line and we're being pulled off and the, the sound is there and it's all all happening and i was just waiting for my instructor to um bollock me because i was absolutely certain i had over overpowered the the airplane because the yeah. performance coming out of this thing was just mad um and i looked at the boost gauge expecting it to be you know somewhere at plus eight and plus nine something like that it was a plus one and i was like I've got to keep moving this lever forward. And um, so to think, I think the only reason we survived that takeoff was because I had an instructor in the back who's in that. So to think of um, the guys in that, and then like you said, I mean, that, that's just line it. So then to take these things and go into combat and having to deal with, yeah. And mm. that's the thing about, about combat is, although they were becoming more experienced um, each day, so were the enemy. And so tactics were changing. Aeroplanes were getting um, modified. So that's why there are 20, I believe, 24 or 25 marks of Spitfire during the course yeah. of the war, because they kept getting better and kept getting better. So um, what would have been, you know, your um, baseline one day, suddenly yeah. the next day, someone's wow. better. And so it's so thinking about how they did that. I mean, I've got so much respect for it. I mean, oh. the, I believe the um, ME109, so the German equivalent to the Spitfire yeah. effectively, they must. They lost more um, airplanes to land in instance than they did to the RAF. And That's so, interesting because the Spitfire didn't have the best record for landing instance, did it? Because no, of that, difficult to. <coughs> yeah, it's it's got quite a narrow track undercarriage, which makes mm. them a little bit twitchy on on the ground. And yeah, again, you, you've got huge amounts of power and limited training. So these days, to get to these um, these airplanes, you have been either got a wealth of experience or you've been trained incredibly purposely full for this task. Mm. And mm. while back then they were just kind of hand, handed this thing after yeah, 150 hours and go. So it's, yeah, I, I, I not even take my hat off. I'm absolutely in awe of anybody who did that during the war. Yeah, it's just you, incredible. 
they used to get towns and villages to sponsor a Spitfire, didn't they? And they'd raise they did, money. Yeah. yeah, raise money. And they, they were still expensive. They were still like, I mean, I mean, you know, in old money, you'd think, oh, you know, each one cost 10 grand. No, it wasn't. It was like 150 grand or something, that one Spitfire, and they'd shot down like 20 that week sort of thing. You know, <laughs> it was, you know, it is it's funny. My dad writes in his book, he says, um, when um, – he said there was a problem with the Spitfires with this, the supercharge only worked at a certain height to get full benefit from it. He says, so a certain height, it would be any Messerschmitt 109. But when you were low, you it would outturn the Messerschmitt 109 and you could dodge it like that. But there's only so much you could do all the way back from Germany to England yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. But he writes in this, this book, and I don't know, maybe that sort of improved a little bit. So just learning all that sort of thing. And, um, some of that knowledge is a, a very interesting story, not whether it's uh, true or not, but it was handed down by a guy who was there at the time. When they're filming the Battle of Britain, um, the film with Michael Caine, um, the, so the, the bit you're talking about is the second stage of the two-stage supercharger, and ah. it's got a, an aneroid capsule that activates on altitude. And um, the unique thing, I believe, and like I say, this, this may be absolute nonsense, but I'll tell the story anyway. Um, yeah. They're all in formation going up, and they as part of the film and they were taking this higher than the Spitfires had kind of operated before. Yeah. And uh, I believe they were happily going up and then suddenly one of the Spitfires just shot off and then all the others started to go at equal time. That's because all these aneroid capsules that people hadn't really given much kind of thought to had um, suddenly were still active and they'd get to the right height where they'd activate and then off they oh, went. So it's wow. yeah, incredible. So oh, that's hopefully that's true. Story, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. incredible. That's it's, such a wonderful film that is as well. You oh, yeah. never get the opportunity to make a film like that again. It's just incredible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've I've watched a few recently actually, just to catch on. They are they're still really entertaining, really entertaining to see. Um, but uh, especially ones Oxford, of course, which is just up the road from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, one quick question yeah. for you. Tim, obviously these machines are not getting any younger and there's, you know, um, uh, they were hoping to uncover a whole box, boxes full of them in Malaysia or something, was it, the other year and it never quite worked out. But so they're not getting, there's no more of them. I know they're trying to make um, uh, replicas, but, uh, and, and that must always be in the back of your mind, but are these machines as capable now as they were then or are there things that you absolutely mustn't do with them? You know, what? how does it work now? So we have um, certain amounts of G that we don't uh, go over. So during the war, I think they were just literally hauling them around the sky because yeah. if you didn't, you'd get shot down. Um, so these days, uh, our company, SAPs, we don't take the Spitfire over 5G. We definitely don't push any negative G. So stuff like that. And um, again, we, um, we're very, very careful with how much engine um, power we effectively use. Um, so although the temptation might be just to go, you launch, just your, your um, devil horns come out and you're in yeah. the zone. Um, so we, we look after it. But the, the care and attention these aeroplanes now receive is um, incredible. So um, the Spitfire flies on something called a permit to fly, which means we're, we're quite limited what we can do these days. So um, uh, you'll very rarely see a, a civilian Spitfire flying over um, towns because we're not allowed to, purely because of the um, what exists on. And... Um, uh, so we we have to be kind of very very careful with how we operate this, but the whole um, kind of industry as a culture has taken that on, and so these aeroplanes are meticulously looked after. I mean, yeah. our um, aeroplane every twenty five hours has a day uh, with three engineers and gets looked over. Every fifty hours, 
it will um, have a three-day um, kind of inspection with the engineers. And then every year we have an annual inspection where the aeroplane is not, um, it's not as bad as being completely taken apart and put them back together, but all the essential systems are, and that will, ha that will take around two months. Um, and so actually these aeroplanes these days are meticulously looked after and um, every day they're, you know, polished down and made sure. And if there's even a hint of something that's not quite um, as, as it should be, the aeroplane is literally looked, you know, looked at until everything's sure. So um, back in the 1940s, of course, there were, I believe there were 22,000 Spitfires built. So it was just another tool. While these days yeah. there's yeah. around kind of 50 to 60 flying. So um, they are... Yeah, these days meticulously looked after. Yeah, and so they should be. Yeah, they're a massive part of our history. And when the, you know, the, I think Harry, you said there's only one fighter pilot left from 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 the Second World War. So those people are not there to tell the story anymore. But these machines will hopefully no. be around, uh, you know, forever. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, quick question: When is Spitfire flying from Exeter again? So we should. I don't know the exact dates, but it should be in September, okay. I believe. September. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's this. I suppose there's a bit of a distancing issue with the two seats. That's a, that's all right. Is that two meters. We were very very fortunate because it is um, it's just just below two um, to uh, yeah. um, two meters. But we have uh, we've got some other regulations in place which helps. So yeah. Jenny, <laughs> Jenny's got a Spitfire flying over her house. I know. Right that's, Jenny, you're just showing off now. That. Um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's a surreal surreal moments exactly um yeah and uh i was, was going to say yeah do the do the mechanics do they get regular goes do they are they just are you just is it fun with where they just they're interested in the mechanics and not into flying or is no, it they um yes our chief engineer jerry jones he uh um i it took me a full uh, couple of weeks as a, uh, a full-time spitfire pilot till i had as many hours as he did so he's uh oh, yeah, right, he's, uh, okay He's done quite a, but they, they, I mean, the, um, the responsibility on their heads to make all these work, they definitely deserve it. And there's always something nice if the engineers have been tampering to have them in the back for the first flight. It's always a good thing. Yeah. I know with the, the helicopter mechanics and thing, and when I was in Cold Rose, lucky enough to go up there and I was in the briefing and they were saying, yeah, we've got a bit of a problem. And I think it was a bit of an oil leak in number 592B. If you could take it up and give it a little shake around and see, we think we fixed it. We'll just see if there's a, you know. And so, and of course, and I think when the police helicopter was doing it, and it was just like, our cars, can you take that? It's got a squeak in the rear end, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then one of the traffic guys, one of the traffic guys was literally uh, talking to two days ago. And he said, yeah, he says, um, one of the mechanics, we had a bit of a problem at top end on one of the traffic cars. So every now and then he took a mechanic out, um, took it out. And that mechanic came back. He says, I had no idea that these cars could do that. <laughs> he said, <laughs> we, we popped a few overtakes and we, we were doing 140. And then I was like, can you hear it now? Can you see what that is? You know, and he's the guy's like that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, uh, as long as you don't hear them tinkering away in the back while you're flying yeah. them. But, but if i was a mechanic I'd say, no i'm gonna need to go up and have this look at this one but is you know that's what i was going to ask you i think i saw a documentary sometime i think it was battle of britain documentary actually um and they uh it's probably lancaster tires but if there's certain shortage of certain parts that will inevitably wear out where there's difficulties getting hold of them now funny enough because there's not a spitfire factory yes. anywhere near how do you get over that and those particular it's, parts that are trouble 
to be fair, at the moment, we're just getting to the point where, so things like undercarriage legs are very, very difficult to get hold of. And so there are a few places where um, they've got kind of the last supply, but it's actually an issue that we're starting to get towards now. So um, right. there are, um, they're looking at kind of remanufacturing using the old original plans and the original skill set. But um, of course, you've got to produce them under modern day regulations, which is a, a massive pr um, oh, uh, process yeah. in itself. So um, it's something that will invariably, hopefully they will have the skill sets to be able to produce the parts that aren't readily available. But um, I imagine it will be over time and at great expense. One final thing from me, Tim. You work, you get to fly in these iconic machines and they're a massive part of your life and we're all in love with them. Have you got a bit of Spitfire? Did you, our friend John Nickel, he's got a bit of tornado. Can I caution you first? You don't have to say anything, but in my defense, yeah, you did yeah. not mention it. nicked and you can't talk about it, just say <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm then you say... No, yes, no, yes. no, no. <laughs> that took me a while to do. <laughs> I was, um, I've got a, um, a piece of uh, the propeller blade from the um, the airplane I flew behind. I thought you were going to say from your first landing, but anyway, sorry, uh, yes. <laughs> um, So it's a piece of the, the propeller tip from the airplane, from the propeller wow. I soloed behind, which got replaced after... Um, yeah, as part of that, during its, its thing was no longer, uh, um, cool. yeah, usable. So, um, yeah, I've got that, which is uh, kind of cool, and a few other bits knocking around the house. Although, uh, yes, I've I've been told I'm not allowed to continue yeah, bringing aeroplane parts. Home. Just... <laughs> yeah, the bigger mantelpiece. Yeah, you can't throw that away. Yeah, you, know? exactly. you can't. Your yeah. mantelpiece is just like. Yeah. Like, um, what, Tim, if you if there's ever a box of junk at the at the airport, yeah. Harry and me. Just remember, yeah. Harry and me. We'll have a we'll bit sort of that out. No worries. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, thank you no so worries. much for listening in. Uh, it's just been brilliant. It's, it's, it's flown. It's, it's flown by literally. Um, <laughs> Watch your Instagram. Um, book a flight. <laughs> book a flight, for God's sake. It's only, you only live once. Um, and worry about paying it back later. You know, it'll be fine. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much. Um, Tim, can you just hang around afterwards? I'll just say no formal goodbyes and things like that. And then, uh, but uh, yeah, thank you guys. And join us hopefully next week. Um, and uh, lots of love. Go be steady out there.